Archdeacon. Owen Archdeacon beats Frank McGarvey, clashes with Tommy Burns. Burns takes the ball off Owen Archdeacon and plays it to Roy Aitken. Roy Aitken out to the right touchline for Peter Grant. And the Celtic Choir, at long last, after a half an hour absence, return James to make their voices heard. Yes, they're paying them fitting tribute. But really, what we're seeing is a game in total slow motion. Sound just happy to knock the ball about now. The crowd behind them, even singing in the rain, but uh, still waiting for that news. But uh, as I say, Celtic players again looking at the dugout, where obviously it's still thumbs down. They've done the job, five goals. I don't think anyone thought they could get five, except perhaps David Hay, who went for three or four. But uh, every Celtic player has done his best, perhaps too much, too late, but they have certainly accomplished it with venom and style. Tommy Burns has the ball just now, plays it forward for Morris Johnston at the edge of the area. Morris Johnston, wide pass for Paul McStay to take it down to the byline. He crosses in, that's a good one. Oh, Jim Stewart very nearly drops it, fumbles it, catches it at the second attempt. corner from the far side by Robert Connor in swinging corner was not cleared by the Haas defence and I think eventually it was Albert Kent who seemed to hook it into the roof of the net although Henry Smith touched it on his way through so we have now only seven minutes left for play here is Dundee 1 Hearts nil. Dundee 1 Hearts nil. seven or eight minutes to go in this game here there's four minutes left here four minutes left here six minutes left in Dundee and all of a sudden, it appears that Celtic are going to do it. All of a sudden. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Bertie and Paul. How you get on, Bertie? No bad, Paul. How's things tonight? All right? Yeah, very well. Very well. Yeah, very good. And lovely day. Lovely day, actually. You get the bank holiday coming up, have you? I called in Friday, yeah, for VE day. Changed to a Friday, so not that it'll make much difference. We're still locked up. Locked up. And today, because we're doing a special podcast, we had to bring in uh, Holy Goalie. Uh, Paul McCoggins came in today, so Paul, thanks for that. How you doing? No problem. Yeah, good, thank you. Just enjoying the sun. Oh, fantastic. So what we decided to do, as we said in our last podcast, Big Phil, who is our Martin's mate, found the 1986 Super Scoreboard radio uh, of that, that famous day at Love Street. So we were talking about it, me and Betty were talking about it the last podcast, and we said, look, we got, we're going to ask Holy to come in and have a look at it. So two days later, Holy was kind enough to give us some of his time, and I basically went down a, a dark, deep path of... I just <laughs> had to look at everything. And I, I probably looked at it for... It's just amazing radio. What do you think, Betty? Yeah, I- Without a doubt, it's absolutely unbelievable. It really is. I think the last the last podcast was on, I'd only listened to about half of it. I'd listened to about 40 minutes, and it's up to 40, it's kind of 40, 45 minutes where I think that's just where Dundee score. And the whole place just goes bananas. And then I hadn't heard the rest of it, but I listened to the rest of it. It's just unbelievable stuff. It's like stuff, you, you would never get it again. You'll never get stuff like that again. What do you think, Holly? What did you... Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, that. Just the production values was just so much better than what you're getting these days. And as Barry was saying, the access was amazing. The insight and the uh, even from the pundits, there was like 
four or five guys who were clued up on what they were talking about, whereas at the moment you'd be lucky to get five minutes worth from them. And, and, yeah. on, and on that as well, like the we'll look at Radio Clyde just in a minute, but just the, the fact that they, they weren't asking questions to trick you up. I ha- it wasn't this, at the end of it, we have to ask you, Danny McGrain, will you be here next season? It was just a case of they were just, they were just normally talking about football and, and, and they were really looking forward to the game. So what we'll do is we're going to have a quick look. We've got a scenario where we don't have a Celtic and Rangers... Uh, title race. Yeah, we don't have a title race. We don't have a Celtic and Rangers, really. We have Aberdeen have won the league the year before. Yeah. There's Gothenburg. Or the, uh, we've got Dundee United who are going to Gothenburg the year later. So they're going to beat Barcelona the year later. We have... Aberdeen the year before that the cup winners the cup winners cut Atletico Madrid then we've got uh, Dundee United doing so well and, and then Hearts after five years of I think Hearts were five years from bankruptcy from six minutes to win the league so Hearts had Wallace Mercer coming in so it was a different as you say a different landscape than we're used to now yeah like Ferguson, Ferguson was the Aberdeen manager, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Alec Ferguson. So at the time, yeah. I think well, Ferguson had just taken charge of Scotland at the time. Uh, I'm not sure whether they'd already started at Man United at that time, but the, this was like just before. This was in the lead up to the Mexico World Cup. Obviously, yeah. Jockstein had died in the qualifiers, which would have been what November the year before. And Alex Ferguson took over uh, the Scotland job on a temporary basis, but. I, I'm pretty sure he was at Man United by that stage, but I'm maybe maybe well. be wrong. I, I thought I thought he was Aberdeen, but maybe not. Maybe I could be wrong. Well, I think actually one of the funny things, the, the Celtic played a friendly against Man United in February 25th. There must have been some sort of problem in the game, so they played Middlesbrough and Man United as a friendly game at that time as well. So maybe there's something going on. Talking there been a testimonial or something like that, maybe. Yeah, so it's not just a game. I think Celtic had to get games played because it was a, a difficult winter or there was, there was something going on. It's certainly, so from that point of view, it's a magical time. It, it really is. Aye, for Scottish football as a whole, unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, so, big, big cliche there, Betty, aye? So we got... <laughs> but but the, the, the fact is, and also who gets a mention in a lot of it is Clyde Bank, isn't it, Betty? That's your home. Your That's my hometown. My hometown. Uh, uh, Clyde uh, Bank all over it. So you didn't can... realise you were a banky, Bertie. Yeah. yeah. Clyde, Clyde... Bread, Clyde Bank. So because Clyde Bank, they, I think they're the game before. The, it's a Hearts Hearts game. They play Clyde Bank and they just got a lucky goal. Like they're already kicking it. And then then uh, Clyde Bank, I think, are, are are the last game that Rangers play. But Sunis watches it in the because we've got the Graham Sunis world coming as well. So That's Sunis, right, yeah. Sunis has already said he's coming, and then the talk is oh, Sunis is going to sign a Catholic if he's good enough to play for it. And I mean, it's just it's Aye. really silly, you know. <laughs> so, and then uh, obviously instrumental in this match was the Rosa Parks of Scottish football, Morris Johnson. <laughs> Rosa Parks. My daughter did a Rosa Parks uh, a scrapbook for our school. She did a whole review of Rosa Parks, and uh, 
it's really, really, really funny because it's 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 where where were you when JFK died or whatever? Then where were you when Morris Johnston? But also, also as well as it shows you the power of only excuse, because when Mojo talks in your head, you're you're hearing you're hearing the Morris Johnston and only excuse. When, when when Sanderson talks, you're hearing these names. So it shows you the power of it. When I loved Only Excuse on the radio, when it was that cassette tape, I loved it. I mean, I just, I could That's talk all day about it. But uh, it shows you the power of it. But Morris Johnson comes across as a lovely guy. He says at the end of it, this is for Davy Hay. This is for Davy Hay. Bring it, Davy. Yeah. And you're like... He does sound like a naive young boy who could be persuaded to do anything rather than the sort of uh, Judas Iscariot picture that um, <laughs> was painted off him a bit later. Is that, is that Willie Jumper we want? It's just that Willie Jumper. Uh, oh, is that... I, I was in... Now you're, you're talking about the JFK moment, Paul. Mm-hmm. I was in... I was at Seamal Hydro my holidays and I remember going into the John Menzies in West Bride and that was the front page of the Daily Record was Morris Johnson lying there yeah. with his Rangers suit on lying on the front page I was like what is going on yeah I, I was on holiday as well when that happened like, I, I remember a few months earlier I mean Morris Johnson was my favourite player when, uh, I loved him yeah, I loved uh, him about that time any time I went to Parkhead he was always scoring so as a young boy just absolutely adored the guy uh, I remember when uh, he was rumoured to come back to sign up for Celtic, so he came back and had talks with Billy McNeil. I remember my dad waking me up uh, early, like for the half seven news, uh, at, or maybe even later that, eight o'clock news on Radio Clyde, and playing it to me to and just, he must have been looking at my wee excited face hearing the news that Maurice Johnson was coming back to sign for the Celtic. I would have been absolutely delighted. And then a couple of months later, I mean, it might even have been weeks later, days later, but I don't really know the, the, the time frame. But uh, I was on holiday in St Andrews in a, in a caravan, and my dad came in with the daily record as well that, that day, showed me it. Broke my heart, he did. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. Morris Johnson is, I'm dri- we're driving, I think, I, I, we're out back of a, I don't know, so the Ford Escort and we're driving into Glasgow to see my grands to, my, to go to my grannies and I just remember like it was Radio Clyde again they were just going through it they couldn't believe it and then the, the I just I just remember I just remember it very you're driving through Easter House and you're, you're driving up through that the motorway I just remember it clearly clearly my dad wasn't happy my mum wasn't happy Nobody was happy, but that sickening feeling because the week before, I think, I think that's the timeline. It, it sort of Joe Miller scores in the, the Scottish Cup final, and suddenly we're 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 moving again. We're going to start to compete with the with the Rangers, and Morris Johnson's going to start scoring the goals, and then just falls off the edge of a cliff. You know what I mean? But and, nobody was happy either side of the the divide. Like <laughs> there was many happy people about it. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it was a circumstance. I mean, I think. If they'd gone out and signed any other Catholic, it would it would have been half the issue that it was. I think. Well, certainly from Celtic's point of view, no, no one would have cared. But uh, like, I'm sure that there'd been a few staunch Ranger supporters that would have started being up in arms. But I think yeah. the reaction would have been probably a little bit more. I don't like to 
double think what Rangers <laughs> how they would react but I, I think if it was someone else not a West of Scotland Catholic who had previously signed for Celtic then the issue may have been uh, the reaction wouldn't have been quite as, quite as bad you're uh, my, I always remember my auntie Claire saying to me but he's not a real Catholic I don't think he goes to Mass on a Sunday I always remember that and I'm like I just want him to score goals for Celtic. That's all I wanted him to do. Because he was brilliant, wasn't he? He was, aye. Who did we sign instead that, that season? Like we did, Morris Johnson was our top target. Who did we actually go out and buy in the summer of 89 uh, to replace him? Is it Cascarino, is it? No, no. Cascarino was, was a couple of years later. McNeil was still there. We signed that summer. We signed Martin Hayes, I think. But I know he's not a striker. I think he was a midfield player, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. We, uh, we signed Martin really Hayes from Arsenal for about seven hundred thousand or something. Like that, did we not? I can't. I can't think who else we signed that year. So we've got. So we've got. Uh, yeah, we've got Hearts over on a thirty-one game beating run. We've got Dundee United in their, in their pomp, as they would say. We've got a phenomenal Aberdeen team. And we've got this Celtic team. So if you go to the 4-4 game, which we'll talk about, in that, well, into the Fire documentary, the commentary, they're talking about... So there's a documentary into the Fire. It's before Souness comes, so Souness is going to the Fire. And it goes to the 4-4 game, the Celtic and Rangers rivalry at Ibrox. And it's an amazing documentary. You actually see them training... In the, in the, there's a training area in Ibrox. I've never seen footage like this before. And you, you see one side is Celtic, one side is Rangers. They're knocking the ball around. They're, they're, they're doing their, their warm-up. And the way the commentator is talking is, this is an also-ran season for both clubs. Celtic have been knocked out of the Scottish Cup and League Cup by Hibs. Rangers, have just, Rangers are just not at the races. Jock Wallace is, is lost. They're just not there. But it's an also-ran game. That's the thing. They say something like, yeah, this isn't a game of champions, but it's still one of the biggest games in the, in the world. And it, it produces a 4-4 game, which is just phenomenal. But even at that stage, and it, the game's still, the games are still thick and fast, the commentary teams are writing Celtic off. Because yeah. I think that was... The, that's... It was at the start of that program. I think it was uh, Jimmy Sanderson uh, and Richard Park that was the kind of main sort of commentary guys. And the two of them, I think, were, were pretty much resigned at Celtic. Ones the Hearts were going to be the Hearts were going to be the, take the title, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I think I would probably be of the same opinion if if what I heard was correct that Hearts hadn't been beaten for thirty-one games. I thirty-one games. I think yeah. it was I. And they were. Like all they needed to do was draw at Dundee. I mean, they did say that Dundee were going for Europe, still in the chase for Europe at that so, point. So, so am I, am I right in saying then that, that before the game, the Hearts were two points in front. Yes. And, and at that time, and at that time, it was two points for a win. Yeah. And the goal difference, Celtic had to score. I think it was four, was it three? I think yeah. it was three. To, to win the title, if Hearts, if Hearts obviously dropped the, dropped the points. Yeah, the goal difference was three, and uh, there had to be a swing of three, so Celtic won fat well. Uh, assuming that if Hearts got beat, they'd get only get beat, beat by 1-0. Beat one nothing. yeah. 
and, you, and you've got this sort of... I think uh, we talked about this as well. BBC Scotland, I think we're on the Hearts game because I listened to a little bit of commentary. So I think BBC Scotland are definitely on the Hearts game. And, and Radio Clyde have got the booby prize. But they're talking it up. And even just listening to Hugh Keevan's view of it, uh, Richard Park's view, Sanderson, it's just a phenomenal guy, the way he talks about football. You get the sense that, that, that they're not getting too high, they're not getting too low, they're just doing their job. They might have missed out in the big game, but Jim Craig is over with his telephone. How come How come you come to me when there's a... And Jim Craig's like, what does he say? How come you always come to me when the, the stadium noise is too... I mean, Jim's, Jim's <laughs> out, he's out, he's dead. But there's only one. But you, yeah. There's like everybody else is in. Uh, well, you, you got, yeah, you got to remember, Paul, that Radio Clyde was a a radio station for Glasgow, so they wouldn't have been covering an Edinburgh team against a Dundee team. So yeah. that that's why it's, uh, they were on the Celtic game. But I think you're right. Radio Scotland is definitely covering uh, Hearts. The Hearts and Dundee because you could hear the roar go up uh, from the fans before. Clyde went to Clyde New Park, yeah. And, and Archie McPherson says, I think you've got seven sons of the seven seas of the sun. He says something. <laughs> what, is it, what is he talking about there? I don't, I don't know what he says. He's gone through the game. I really don't know. He just gets really, really, he's really, really excited. While who way back in August, blessed with the second sight, the seventh son of a seventh son could have foreseen Hearts on the very last day of the season playing for the championship. Uh, so we've got Hearts, of course, and then the other little thing that just, even though it's a thousand years ago, the Hearts kickoffs delayed, and you're like, oh yes, that's that's right, of course that's <laughs> happened, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so basically, go Barry, do your five minutes piece. It's, it's five minutes of the first half and it's still amazing. Amazing. The, last, the, last, the last five minutes of the first half and the whole second half is all I can remember ever getting from Radio Clyde when and they were doing commentary. Well, we're, we're Radio Clyde, we'll bring you, we'll bring you live, live action from the last five minutes of the first half and the whole entire second half. And I don't, I don't understand why. It must have been the sponsorship thing or whatever it is, but that's, that's, that's what you were getting. I think it's just the same idea that why you don't get games on a Saturday now. It's just because people, if they thought, well, I'll just listen to the whole game uh, on the radio. <laughs> I won't bother going. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, we, we, we are we are laughing about it. But this Richard Parks, which I, again, I had a look at, I mean, he's still alive. Which I know you two were laughing at me, but I can't believe, well, he's a, he's a global radio icon in the UK. He leaves Radio Clyde in 1986-87. Jimmy Sanderson dies this year as well. So you, you really are, you're, you're, you've got peak professional radio, as I would think. I thought it was very professionally done. But but in, 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 in that way, Richard Parks is, they're, they're bringing to you something that's probably uniquely never going to happen again. This helicopter Sunday and all that rubbish. But they're bringing you something that's uniquely, and also... People are bringing radios to the ground. So, 1986, like if, they said, if you brought your mum's tranny to the ground, you'd have to t- get another seat. Or you, you know what I mean? Because it's just. But now the, tra- the transistor radio is getting smaller, and you yeah. can have it at the game. I can have it with you, yeah. 
and, and Richard Parks had listened to lots of American radio, American sports, and Radio Clyde was this, this, this new thing that had gimmicks, had theme tunes, had personalities, and it was changing the way we listen. But listen, thinking about that back then, you're like, wow! But it was so good. It was so good. Jimmy yeah. Sanderson does a first talk show. And he says, were you at the game? And obviously that's an only excuse thing. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah, that, that's the time. That's the time we're in. So people are listening to the radio and they must be listening to BBC Radio Scotland. Yeah. And I mean, I, as you said, it's like Sanderson was like the first guy to host a radio phone in. And now like every channel, you've got channels pretty much dedicated to just football phone-ins nowadays. Yeah, uh, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole myself after the game when I thought, oh, I wonder if there's any other radio cloud uh, commentaries from back in the day. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I ended up listening to about an hour's worth of just radio cloud jingles yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the <laughs> 70s and 80s. Uh, and it was, it was just like, I don't know, it was like guys like, I don't know, Leo Sayer or somebody like that just singing a little radio cloud jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I uh, well talk rabbit holes as well. So we've got the the jam tarts. So jam tarts, uh, Wallace Mercer, they're going to come. They've got a couple of Rangers players. They've got McDonald and uh, Sandy Jardin. And it, so get what did Hearts do for the preseason training? What did the Hearts do? Ha- hearts run up and down the sand dunes. I mean, you can't get any more. <laughs> Is Jock Wallace involved with us? No, Jock Wallace is still at the, the, the uh, McDonald brought the, the Rangers ethos. Uh, mentality. So they're up and down the sand dunes, they're all puking. And then, so you went down the Radio Klein medley. I went down a whole medley of Hearts songs at that time. And, and Hearts had a, a Marshall's Chunky Chip Chicken. So a Marshall's Chunky Chippin Champions theme what? tune. Champion <coughs> Steve Chin. Marshals, junkie chicken champions. Marshals, junkie chicken champions. Marshals, junkie chicken champions. I'll get it for the end of the pod, you can listen to it. So they're basically, they're all in a studio singing Chunky Chicken sponsorships and they're saying they're the champions, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I was listening to it the, the, the other day, do you remember? Like, well, Liverpool had, quite, had the famous Anfield rap, which was uh, quite famous, but there was also a, a Celtic rap and I was listening to that the other day. And it is horrific. Have I heard my life? Honestly, it's worth a listen, but it's just so so bad. It's like a complete rip off, but just a hundred times worse. 
<laughs> and, 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 and also, as you're listening to their their discussion, so Hugh Keevans doesn't think Celtic can only get maybe three goals. Sanderson thinks, look, at this stage, it's going to be two. They probably both teams will win. And then they go back to David Hayes is after the Mullerwell game of the week. And it, David Hay is phenomenal on the radio. Like, David Hay's like, yeah, I think Hearts can get beat. And he just goes through it very calmly, very astutely, and then he's the only man in Scotland that believes it. But he just, it's just the way he does it. And they're all, Sadness like, can you do this? And he's like, yeah, I think we can do it. Very relaxed. Yeah, but he's, he's, he was really confident that, uh, that the D he would get a result as well. He was so confident that the D were going to get a result. So then uh, the Jam Tarts, they beat Clyde Bank, Celtic beat Mullowell. So we've got this swing. Then, and I found a great quote, John Brown. John Brown says, Craig Levine. I mean, why did Craig, Craig Levine lose? He misses the game for a virus or a flu. Whatever he's got, some sort of flu. Craig John, John Brown's like, how would you miss a game like that magnitude? <laughs> I mean, you're like, what? <laughs> I, think there was, I think there was another... I always remember, like, see when you played champ manager... Championship manager, and but someday would be knocked down for a couple of days with a cold, and it would rip through your whole team. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's what kind of happened with Hearts. I don't think Craig Levine was the only one that was out. I think it was about another three or four like sort of first team regulars that were yeah, out with the cold. Yeah. Well, this is I, 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 obviously I'd listened to it more than once, and you sort of pick up on things the second time round. Yeah. And like before the game, Craig Levine is out with an ankle injury, but at the end of the game, they say, "Well, Craig Levine actually had a cold." And so did John Cohoon, so did uh, <laughs> so, so did Gary Mackay. So <laughs> it's about six of them. They're all like sort of suffering from this mystery illness, which uh, <laughs> like totally out of the box and playbook of oh, I was injured, mate. That's how we copy. <laughs> and, and, and also, as well as when you have a second listen to it, it's those lovely phrases like the cannonball kid, Charlie Nicholas. I, mean, I, I, listened to, I kept reminding it I thought that's just such a good phrase you know what I mean the cannonball kid or Frank yeah. McGarvey says Richard Park says eh, Tommy, Tommy Burns takes the ball off McGarvey McGarvey we're good friends last year but there's no love you know I mean it's just like it's brilliant radio aye great like, I don't think at any stage in that whole hour and 17 minutes or whatever it was that Jimmy Sanderson doesn't refer to Morris Johnson as Super Mo Johnson. He just calls him, <laughs> he calls him all the time, doesn't he? All the time. <laughs> well, it certainly isn't anybody's game at Love Street Paisley. James Sanderson. Absolutely magnificent. And Love Street really is a calling of din, noise and joy because Super Mo, yes, he has done it again. This time he rifled it past Jim Stewart once again, finishing an excellent Celtic move. An impeccable build-up. Finished up with a splendid demolition job by Mo Johnston. Brian McLare is really up to his work. For, he's worked really hard for Celtic. You know that way. There's a different. Morris yeah. Johnston's turned it around. He's really. I mean, and Celtic do win. Like they're winning games two nothing, three nothing. They go on this magic run, but it's because of the work of the players. And Brian McLare's been there for a few years. Morris Johnston's just there, but the the, the player that. I love his own Archdeacon. Oh, I was I was going to say something about own Archdeacon. So I, I I mean I started going to the games probably a year or two after that. 
and I can only really remember Arch Deacon as a sort of fringe player. Yeah, he was sort of come sort of come in and out the side. But was was Arch Deacon like a sort of mainstay in that season, or was he? Well, I think that the, the interviewed David Proven afterwards, and David Proven, I think would. Would have been a winger. Not sure if he was a left or a right winger. And Onar Steichen was a left winger. I think looking at the the, the, the coverage. Yeah. But I think David Problem would possibly have been. Well, he was definitely ill and injured because they talked to him about how he'd been out for quite a long time after the That's game. Right. And I think Onar Steichen basically came into the side to replace him. And then perhaps a bit later on. Uh, when you say someone's come back to replace him or someone's knocked him out of the team and that's why he became a bit of a friend player. Aye. Yeah, well, I think David Proven, that, this is the start of the MS, is it? Is this the... I think it probably could be, aye. Because he says, the, the guy says to him after one, and Richard Park says, you'll be looking forward to the European Cup, this will give you a spar. And I think Proven sort of... Because sort of, Proven... And that that is the other thing that you, re, you, you realise. And I, I always go back to... Jock Brown, Paul Lambert, media training. Always go back to it. Paul yeah. Lambert, I'm not going to media training. Like, all the guys that are talking on the radio, like, they're so well. Murder McLeod talks great. Proven talks great. Peter Grant. Roy Aiken. <laughs> Roy Aiken. Danny McGrain was pretty bad. Danny McGrain, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, what do I say, Richard? What do I say? You must be thinking of your wife and people in the stands and all that. Uh, yeah, Grantie makes a great joke, doesn't he? Peter Grant's, Peter Grant's good, aye. Peter Grant's good. Peter Grant's, because he's, he's number 12 that season, isn't he? And Peter Grant's, I mean, I won it, I won it. I mean, I, <laughs> I came on the last five minutes, we're five nothing up, I just get it out of me. He's so funny and he does this really boyish sort of giggle thing that yeah. he just sort of is like shucks, you know? Yeah, it's before that time when, as you say, before they started to try and trip people up for everything they said, so they were a bit more open and a bit more honest and a bit more up for a laugh with, with things without being so guarded as they are now. So yeah. We, so we have, so we have, we've got this going on. Then nobody thinks we're going to win. We've got the, so Celtic just just score goals in the first half. They just it's just like and then Radio Clyde come to it, and so Celtic are four nothing up. Jim Craig, by this time, is just having a bit of a nightmare. Jim, Jim's just... Uh, and also, Hearts... Hearts, uh, in the Sandy Clark's book, which I've read this, they, 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 they have got a stonewall penalty. And it, and it the, also, as well, they changed the referee. The referee came up from Edinburgh. But then... It, the referee that, from Edinburgh? I can't uh, remember his name. It was Bill, from Edinburgh. Bill, Bill Cramsey or something like that. But he, he comes up and it is it's nowhere near a stonewaller. Nowhere near a stonewaller. It's just nothing like it. But here, Sandy Clark's that was a stonewaller. He just he dives. John Brown actually, John Brown makes a comment, just says, because John Brown was in the Dundee team, obviously, led by Archie Knox. And he says he dived. Like it was a dive. You yeah. see, it's a dive. Yeah. But that's one of the things. So, so you've got Hearts at 0-0. Celtic, I think the memories goes that Celtic thought Dundee were one up. They thought they, I think they get told at half time. Well, that's certainly what they said on the yeah. the, the radio. We heard that they, that Davy Hay thought that they were one up at half time. Yeah. So, so Barry, take us through the goals. Then do you? Do you I mean, we've so got the first goal. The first McClare. goal is Brian McClare. I think he scores it in about the. I think it's about the second or third minute. Yeah. Just to get them off to a flyer, um, then 
this is, we get a goal from Morris Johnston. Brian McLeod puts the ball and Johnston scores. Then the third goal, Mo Johnston scores, and it's the, the city iconic goal. From the, I think that's that's the goal. That, well, there's two goals that kind of stick out. McStay's goal sticks out as well. The second one, but the, I think the joint the, the Johnston goal, the third goal, is the city iconic goal from that game. Yeah. It like comes right for the goalkeeper, and he uh, Packy Bonner puts it to Danny McGrain, and it's just a big massive passing movement. It's, it's like the Argentina goal. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant Cup. goal. Just a big massive passing move, and it gets put across, and Johnson scores. It is an absolutely phenomenal goal. And it's yeah. raining. It's because it's just. I always thought it was a dirty day because the camera work, but it's actually it's, it's a miserable day. And these guys are playing. Um, like every time you hear the, you hear McGrain McStay McGrain McStay, they're just the ball's getting pumped around. Just oh, yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah, McLeod does a wee nutmeg out in the wing. Yeah, takes it by the guy. Sensational stuff. Chocolate. And then the, the the fourth one is Paul Mc, Paul McStay's goal. The fourth goal is an absolute outstanding finish. You said the other day, takes it from outside his right foot and just absolutely leathers it. But it's it's just a fantastic goal. It's a dummy, but it's a dummy in a bad pitch. He dummies. Mortal McLeod puts the ball Mortal through McLeod his legs. Dummies it. Yeah. Archdeacon, Archdeacon puts it in and he just dummies it. And McStay just has it. Just yeah. has it. Aye. And then, so what you've got? The, the, the thing about it as well is, is that that Campbell Money, he was he was St Mirren's first choice goalkeeper, and I think it was, it was he was injured as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Campbell Money, and it was this wee guy that they put. I can't Jim remember the guy's Stewart. name. Jim, Jim Stewart was it? Yeah. And I mean, he had absolutely no chance with any of the goals yeah. at all. I'm surprised Rangers fans haven't put an asterisk towards this league title just because Campbell Money uh, was out injured that day. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's this lovely little, lovely little piece at the end with Richard Park says, "Oh, and there's Campbell Money, the Scotland international, just standing, absorbing it, taking it all in." So Campbell just standing there. Like, it's, 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 it's as if he's walked by him. It's as if he's walked by him in the tunnel or in the corridor next to the changing rooms or Aye. something like that, isn't it? It's yeah. really nice. It's really nice. So we've got... So we get Radio Clyde in. So they can't give you the goals, but they give you the... At half-time, they give you the goals. So he's been doing the commentary. But he's not been... You know what I mean? Which is really funny. Aye. He's been doing commentary to nothing. And then Richard Parts... Which is he's a brilliant com he's brilliant at commentary, isn't it? He? He's very good. Well, I, I think he's very good. I was actually surprised that it was him doing the commentary. I thought he was just the presenter, uh, and someone else did the commentary. But no, you're you're right. He was actually a very good commentator. Yeah, yeah, new stuff. And, and then we're going to the second. So J- Jim Craig, Jim Craig says, "Oh, well, Jim Craig's talking about." Uh, the robustness of Hart's challenges. I think Hart's just around, just done a, done a number in Dundee and done. I think, I some, think. Of the, some of the some of the the challenges, I mean, are absolutely horrific. I mean, I think most of the footage that I seen was it was the second half yeah. of the Hearts and Dundee game. But some of the tackling is horrendous. I think Sandy Clark's one of the the, the, the sort of main culprits. <laughs> He's just halfing guys for fun, and they bring they bring this other guy on. I can't remember his first name. A guy called Black. His second name Kenny is Black. Black. Is Kenny? Kenny Black. Yeah. They brought him on. He's the they one that Albert, half... Albert Kidd does him. <laughs> you get his hair, do you not, Paul? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They brought him <laughs> on at half time, and he just goes about halfing people. <laughs> and there's nothing. There's no cards. There's no nothing. 
Is there? You know, I was watching the uh, Aberdeen versus Rangers uh, League Decider from 1991 the other day, and the amount of terrible, terrible tackles going on in that game is unbelievable. And that, that was good four years later when you thought football was maybe a little bit uh, <laughs> less physical. It had not. I mean, that Rangers side, oh my God, the, the, the team was just full of hatchet men. Yeah. You had uh, Brown, Nisbet, Ferguson, Hullock, Hately. Every one of them could put it about a bit. Yeah. So we have, uh, and then, uh, Holy, your expert analysis is Sanderson takes time just to give Paddy Bonner enormous credit, doesn't he? Even yeah. with Celtic are playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says he uses a phrase that was an international class save from Paddy Bonner, and then he goes, "Republic of Ireland class." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Say, say world class, say world class, please." But, but, but so Paddy. See throughout the whole, see throughout the whole radio, you just the whole sort of broadcast, you just get the feeling that it's like they're watching their mates. Yeah. Played football, you could picture like Jimmy Sanderson, Park, and Packy Bonner sitting with, for a couple of jars after the game. Yeah. yeah. But Packy gets a, a Packy Bonner gets a hand injury. And, and he does. And I, I actually, for some reason, I'm like, I remember he got a hand injury. Because I, I just remember going, Packy Bonner's got a hand injury. Like, I was like, what, what do I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do as a goalkeeper to get a hand injury, Holy? But, wow. But your man, uh, and also, this is a brilliant, a brilliant phrase, the fine, fair, young player of the month, Derek White. And yeah, every, Derek White, yeah, every, Derek White. Every time Derek White gets mentioned, he passes the ball out. <laughs> he's like, he's just like, what are you doing, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> so we're in, Unbelievable. So we're into the second half, tensions are rising, and Celtic score again, Brian McClare again. Just early on, so the Celtic Hearts games are sort of dead rubber by this stage. The games are so like yeah. yeah, no, sorry, Celtic St. Manning games are like a dead ah, rubber. Yeah, it's because the dear, Hearts and the dear drawing, so Hearts are they've got what they need. And, and also, the crowd. I think this talk about the crowd is went quiet because I mean yeah. they must have been just sitting there going right five nothing. Celtic have done everything. Frank McGarvey's running about like headless. I don't know if Frank McGarvey's just standing there. And then, and then, uh, and then it just suddenly changes, doesn't it? It's just six, seven minutes. Yeah. Which I, I very, I didn't look up this, but Tosh McKinley does come off for Albert Craig, Albert Kidd, right? Yeah, he does. And yeah. Ern Martin said to me this morning, did that happen? Because that was one of your questions in the Celtic quiz. I'm like, yeah, I just presumed that's what happened, but I had a bit of this fear factor, so I went back up and looked at it, but yeah, it's definitely him. And Albert Kidd has, has been on Tarchy Knox all week to get a game. Let me play, let me play, let me play, let me play. I was reading his book. He's let me play, let me play, and he got into the squad. And he's not scored one goal last I, season. It doesn't, I think he's only played, I think he'd only played 10 games, or he'd only featured in 10 games. I think he'd made seven substitute appearances and played three games or something. I started three games and they hadn't scored all season. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, did, I didn't watch the Dundee Hearts game, but I mean, what was what were Hearts playing like? Were Hearts going for a winner or were they just keeping Hearts it tight? Had, Hearts had, in the second half, I seen it, they, they were through on 
uh, did these go one on one? I think three times. <laughs> there's one. It, there's one. Was where, it John Robertson that was up front for them? John Robertson, yeah. John Cahoon. So John Cahoon, the ball comes across, and John Cahoon picks up just inside his own half. And I don't know whether Dundee were just all over the place or whether they'd been pushing up or whatever it is. But John Cahoon runs from ten yards inside his own half, right through on the goalkeeper, tries to take it round the keeper, and just makes an absolute horlicks it, just like horses it out of the park or something like that. Mm. Well, once then, a time, always a time, <laughs> Then John Cahoon gets the ball. Again, same same scenario. Charges through the middle of the park and John Robertson is to his left. He's and got it. It's two against one. Arthur McPherson's screaming, it's two against one, it's two against one. And all he's got to do is roll the ball into John, uh, John Robertson's path. But he doesn't. He tries to beat the guy. <laughs> Duffy. It's, <laughs> Jim, it's Jim Duffy. It's Jim Duffy, aye. He tries to beat Jim Duffy and then just can't do it and Jim Duffy takes the ball off him. And then the, 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 the next one, I can't remember who puts the ball through again, but then it falls to John Robertson in the edge of the box and he's one-on-one with this guy and he just hits a shot. More and it's just, a, it's just one of the... It just levels the ball. There's mm. no finesse. There's no... He didn't aim it anywhere. He just leathers it towards goal. And you're like, I'll have a bit of composure about yourself. Take it down, maybe, I don't know, beat the guy and stick it in the top corner or something. Yeah. But Hearts, what, Hearts had three good, good chances. But that the, the thing that I did notice as well is, did you notice that Henry Smith, Henry Smith is a Hearts goalkeeper, right? And there was a moment in the second half where Henry Smith gets done and he gets his strip ripped. Yeah. The guy, I, can't, I don't know who it is, it's like a kind of stromash in the box kind of thing. Yeah. And he gets his strip ripped. The whole back of his strip's all ripped apart. Yeah, his shoulders hurt. And then two seconds, or maybe two minutes later, he pulls off, and as Jimmy Sanderson would say, an international class <laughs> save. It's a great it's save. An absolute world class save. Yeah. Yeah. The boy puts it. The boy takes it just outside the eighteen yard box, and he sort of bends it with his left foot, and it's going right in the bottom corner. And how Henry Smith gets to it, I'll never know. It's a fantastic save. And the thing Did is, parts, it? and the thing is, I looked, I looked again at the Harps games before it. So the, the team that was, remember that BBC documentary it was on. So that they show you the, the the sort of Hearts run before that game, and Cahoon and Robertson. Robertson scores this goal from his left foot. He hits it in the top corner. And against Aberdeen, they're one nothing done against Aberdeen. Henry Smith is pulling them out of the bag. He's just a really good goalkeeper at that time. And then uh, Cahoon scores like a great goal. So it, the, the, the Christmas is there. Like these guys were these guys were playing their best football. But as Joshua said, I said it in the last podcast, Joshua's watching it going, hearts are rubbish, Dad. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing there, holy. Nothing there. They sh- it's as if they, and there's so many Hearts fans. There is zillions of Hearts fans all travelling up to watch this. What was the attendance at Dens Park? I mean, I think Den, like Love Street said it was like 18,000. 18,000 18, was Love Street. I'm no, I'll see if I can get it. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but I would imagine it would be some round about the same city mark. Yeah, right, but Den, Den, like Dens Park was when it was before it was got those daft benches put in, it was like. Quite a big stadium. Well, I mean, yeah. the Hearts fans are way back. I mean, it's steep and they're way back. Yeah. It's, it's not like what I remember that when you're watching it. 
So the weird, yeah, the weird thing about St Mirren was <laughs> it was clearly one end that was just full of Celtic fans. It was the Celtic end. <laughs> and then the other end of the park, it was it was well, it was quite full, but it was no nowhere near as packed as the other yeah. end of the park. But that was the park. That was the end of the park where the Celtic scored the first four goals, and just after every goal, just like more and more Celtic fans are just <laughs> making, making it known that there are actually Celtic fans behind that goal. Because I, I pointed that out to Joshua when I was watching. Joshua's Joshua's got no chance in life, hasn't it? My son's just but anyway. I was pointing. I said, Joshua, watch the back, watch this, watch the ground, watch the guys at the back. He's like, that's the Samaritan then, Dad. That's the Samaritan fans. I'm not just watch it. And as you say, everybody's celebrating. And Joshua's like, how did they get in there? I was like, geez, nobody was missing this game. Yeah, my dad told him. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't more full, to be honest with you, because that. But I think there was maybe just a. a Celtic fans, a lot of them were just resigned to the fact that like Hearts would probably beat Dundee. Well, my dad, yeah. my dad tells a lovely story. That at twelve o'clock, they're working. My dad works in Glasgow, and the they were all working till twelve o'clock. And one of the boys that worked in his site said, "I'm away to watch Celtic win the league at twelve o'clock." That was Sammy's like, "That's me. I'm off. That's me clocking out. I'm away to watch Celtic win the league," and they were all taking the mickey at him, just laughing at him. Said, I no chance, you know what I mean? Like, and my dad said, he, did, he, did, he didn't see the guy for a week. <laughs> he was on it. This is a lovely story, you know what I mean? But then, so we've got this, this, this thing then. So Dundee, Tosh McKinley, Albert Cree, uh, Al, I keep saying Albert Cree, Al, Albert Kidd comes on, and in the next four or five minutes of TV, all you see is that man. He is yeah. he is the best player in Scotland for that six or ten minutes. He is absolutely fantastic, isn't he? It's unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. The first goal... See, the, the thing about the first goal is I think Jim Craig says that it's Albert Kidd's managed to put it in. Didn't he? I think he says something along the lines. Albert Kidd's managed to stick it in. There's a bit of a kind of commotion in the box. He manages to stick it's it in. Not. It's a great finish. I know. It could have come to him in the box and it could have just it could have went anywhere and he just like, sort of places it right in the top right hand corner. It's a great finish. It's a great goal, yeah. Great composure. And then then you get the iconic image of the, the guy Stuart standing with the ball as all the Celtic fans behind him just go absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's going on? He's just standing there. <laughs> he's having an absolute nightmare. And no, he's not having a nightmare, there's nothing he could do for the goals, but it's that iconic scene of yeah. this guy Albert Kidd scoring and then suddenly the world changes you know yeah t- t- tell me a bit more from uh, Albert Kidd's uh, autobiography Paul was I mean what was his was it what age was he at this point was he like getting near retiring or was he still young I think he I think, I think there you go, I think he was a bit of a journeyman I think he'd, he'd kind of started his career at the lower leagues. I think he played with uh, Brecon City and I think he played with another couple of like, kind of lower league clubs. Then he moved to Motherwell. Spent a bit of time at Motherwell. I don't know if it was a season, maybe two seasons. Then moved to Dundee. And I think, I don't know, I think it was, I don't know whether it was after that season or it was his next again season. Um, he moved to Australia and he started playing for a club over in Australia. But I think he was just like a kind of sort of journeyman guy he's about 25 he's about 25 26 
So he looks, he's like one of these 80s footballers that didn't age well. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but then, but, but the thing is, so and it, and it, Sandy Clark, and I, I remember this happening, we all, when you read it, you remember it. Sandy Clark said, if I ever met him, like an, an off-the-ball programme many years later, ever, if I ever met him, I'd kick his head in. Because Sandy hated the fact that he, he came out to say that he was a Celtic fan. And, yeah. and Albert uh, could meet some uh, a Scottish footballer's lunch or something, and he comes. Over, dinner or something like he comes over to speak to him, and Sandy Clark gives him eight seconds and says, "I know who you are," and that's it. Like, like you're talking twenty years after the event, and he's still. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't as if he like totally hoodwinked him. He just did his job and scored a couple of goals. Why is that? But Sandy, Sandy Clark should have been more angry with John Cahoon than John Robertson rather than him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I know. it's not like Thierry Henry's handball or something like that or yeah. some like total skull All he did was score two goals when but then, uh, <laughs> they the league. But that's the thing, they're playing Clyde Bank the week the, the Wednesday before it. They won one nothing at their own stadium. If they scud Clyde Bank, I mean Celtic have beaten them a couple of like they've beaten them they've beat them a couple of times and like it's Clyde Bank if they beat Clyde Bank three or four goals in Time Castle they've won the league you know yeah. what I mean yeah. Celtic don't even get well Celtic don't get that chance that they've put it out of the park but they, they freeze yeah. at Time Castle then they take it into into that that game against uh, so t- t- take us to the second goal Barry such a great goal so the second goal, uh, Albert Kidd kind of picks the ball up. I think again, I think it's just inside his own half. And I'm not sure if it's Sandy Clark again. He just kind of nicks by him, just it's, at the halfway line. It's Kenny Black. It's Kenny Black. It's Kenny Black. He just sort of does this. We sort of moves as we sort of swings his hips and just goes by him as if he wasn't even there. And then he runs from the halfway line right to the edge of the 18 yard box. Plays a one-two through two players. And then he's right through, straight on, one on one with Henry Smith, and just smashes it by him. It is an absolutely superb goal, really is. And Albert, Albert Kid just goes bananas. So does Love Street. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a, an absolutely wonderful goal. You don't appreciate how good it is. Do you oh, see yeah. it again? I, I couldn't believe how good it was. I actually couldn't believe how good it was. Because he nicks it, and you're—he's got the whole part to go, but he's just like he's just free. He's ten years old. He's playing the part with his mates, one two, and he's like, "See you later on." It's a brilliant goal. It's a great goal. Aye, it really is. I wonder if, uh, like, he, he, got, he tours the Celtic supporters clubs when he's in Australia or something like that, just to get a free pint every time he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he does. There is a story in his Wikipedia about the Billy Conley. Billy meets Billy Conley, and Bill, him and Billy Conley are sitting. And he's like, "Do you know who I am?" And I think Billy's like, "Billy suddenly realizes it's it's the greatest Celtic." He has supporters clubs <laughs> named after him. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but there, I mean, look. This is also the. This is the. I mean, Hearts have got. See, look at Hearts running, but Hearts have beat St. Mary three nothing. They beat Rangers three one. And they, they said at the time, I think they said when they beat Rangers, they thought 
the Dundee United, they beat them 3-0. So I see Dundee United's a good, good team. Hearts won all with Aberdeen. Aberdeen won both Cups that season. And then they beat Clybank 1-0 at Tynecastle at 26th of April 1986. Celtic, a couple of weeks before them, beat Clybank 5-0. So they've done all the hard jobs. They draw with Clybank as well. It's all it's about Clybank. The world's about Clybank. Yeah. So Hearts have done, like they've beat Rangers 2-0. They've beat Hearts, uh, Clybank in November 4-1. So really, if, if they beat Clyde Bank in that draw game, plus he's cooks put a couple of goals against them, they've won the league. That's it. Yeah. They even drew against Celtic one all. Yeah. I mean, looking at that league table, like Dundee United are only two points off the pace there. I mean, what like it could so easily have been like a three way like probably the week before it would have been like a three way race for the, the league title. Yeah. Well, I uh, would have been yet yeah. the week before. The week before you've got you've got Hearts on the, the before Wednesday the thirtieth. Before Wednesday the thirtieth, Hearts have got fifty. Celtic's got forty-eight. Dundee United's got forty-five. Okay. So it probably is. I think the Dundee United probably because it was only two points for a winner. Probably slightly out it then. Yeah. So then but, uh, it moves on to. So let's go back to Radio Clyde. Radio Clyde sort of move on to. It's just. They go from not thinking Celtic to win to calling Celtic the champions. And Celtic yeah. are still... The games are still on. And Sanderson's like, yeah, that's really good. And then Richard Park says to him, but you have to remember, Hearts can still score. And then it's like, Hearts have scored again. And Jim, Jim Craig's nowhere to be seen. Jim's like, Jim, are you there? Are you there? Jim must have been diving about <laughs> like a maniac. <laughs> but it's just the way it happens. It happens so quickly. And the guys... Like, I, I don't know, like, they're just so measured. But Sanderson's already saying, yeah, Celtic have won the league. But it's still it's still not there. And they're not even seeing the Hearts game. They've got no visual on what's happening. I mean, Hearts could have been smashing Dundee, but not getting a, a chance. They don't have a visual on it. Nobody knows. But they just swing so quickly into Celtic have won the league. And they're, as they're Radio Clyde, they are so happy. You're, they're so happy. Oh, they are. Because it's on their station. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Like, Richard Park was as delighted as probably any Celtic fan there, and I'm not even sure he was a Celtic fan. <laughs> he was so happy. So it, yeah. go, it goes to... So the final whistle goes... There's a, a point where they say Dundee, Dundee scored again, which ha- they still can't get Jim Craig on the phone. So then, then the final whistle goes and it just clicks to Richard. So this guy's done the commentary. Right? Think about it. He's done the commentary in this massive game and suddenly he's got his media kit or his, his radio kit with him and he is straight down the tunnel. And it, it then, then comes 18 minutes of radio history well, this guy is saying to Paul Cooney in the stadium, uh, studio in Glasgow, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I'm going to get into the changing rooms. And he's just on a flyer, and it is so good. I mean, I've listened to it four times now. It's so entertaining. Yeah. But I don't want to connect you, Paul, but, I mean, I think you'll like this connection. The studio for Radio Clyde's actually in Clyde Bank, and I know you'd maybe like that. Okay, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> 
the, th- the thing about it, the thing about it, I thought was brilliant was, is that Richard Park goes into the goes into the dressing room, right? And there, there's nobody's nobody's really that. I don't mean nobody's really that bothered. It's not as if oh, there's Radio Clyde, get them out, get them out. Mm-hmm. It's like on you come in, Richard, come in, speak to us, have a beer, you know what I mean? Everybody's jump about and they're singing Hail Hail on the radio. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like and basically the radio allows them to do it. Just basically like let, let's listen to the players sing Hail Hail. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's unreal. But before that, it's bittersweet, isn't it? Because before that, before he goes into the changing room, because he asks if he's allowed to get in, who do we have on the radio? And you forget how many times we have uh, Mr. White, we have Jack McGinn, we have Lord Province. Ah, there's all the. And they're like, they're right. just, I can't do that posh 80s Glasgow accent. But you hear it, and it's like hard luck. To harps, but the but oh, you're just like guys, go away, get away from Aye. us, you know. And then he gets in, and David Hay says to him, "Like David Hay, what a guy, what a legend." He says to him, "Did Dundee win?" Like yeah. he's still asking that question, and actually, he didn't, know, he didn't know. And then Brian McClear tells a story again. I don't really know what I'm doing with my time nowadays, but Brian McClear's running down the wing. In 90 minutes or 89 minutes, and the linesman shouts, Chalky, Chalky, they're 2 nothing up. And Brian McClure <laughs> turns to the linesman and the ball goes out. And Brian McClure tells that story. He says, The linesman shouting, they're 2 nothing up, Brian. Chalky, Chalky. And the ball goes out. Like, such a good story. But, but David Haight, so David Haight is told at that time by Richard Parks that Celtic have won the league. And it's as if somebody's just passed him a cup of tea and asked him, what's the weather like in this afternoon? He just takes it in his stride. Is he so yeah. relaxed? He's so he is, relaxed. Yeah. And then he, he thanks the... This is a lovely piece, right? He thanks his wife and his kids and stuff like that. And and Richard Park says, yeah, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be celebrations in the Doherty family tonight. And like that means that Sanderson, uh, sorry, Richard Park knows him really well, because that's Anton yeah. Begley's mother's maiden name, which is yeah, the, that's right. But they're all linked. But he just the way he says it, like it's not, it's not. He doesn't say the Hayes. He says the Doherty's well. So he knows that family well, which is you said better as if they're all friends. And David Hay is just yeah, yeah. class, class. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> <laughs> and then as I said they go in but the, the, the funny thing about it is as well is that they're all in the, they're all in the changing rooms and then who comes into the changing room <laughs> the, oh, the, the match like commander the, the match <laughs> commander comes into the changing rooms and is telling them all right Mr McGrain that's enough <laughs> <laughs> to have your cooperation Mr McGrain <laughs> <laughs> The minute we, we, we and he's, he's telling them how they can get back out onto the park. You're not allowed on the. You're not allowed on the, the racetrack. You're not allowed on the racetrack. If he sees anybody in the racetrack, you're getting hooked. If the fans come back on the pitch, yeah. you're back in the pavilion. And they're really told. But meanwhile, Parks is is, is interviewing people. He's in it. <laughs> Parks is there. This he's, is going on in the background. He's telling people why they can't go out because nobody's been out yet to see the fans. 
He's part of it. And Roy, yeah. Roy Aiken's like, ah, there's lots of people doubted us, but we've shown them. And then it clicks to Davy Proven, who's really well-spoken. Murdo McLeod's delighted. And then you've got more... Murdo McLeod lifts up Richard Park. He's like, Richard Park at one stage goes, and I'm being lifted up. I don't know who it's from. And obviously, they lift <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Murdo McLeod. Murdo McLeod's like, I told you we would win it. Uh, yeah. Seven weeks ago, I told you we would win it. <laughs> yeah, after the 4-2 game, I told you. And then, But that's yeah. the thing, like, even talking about it, you're laughing because he's just in the mix. And then Roy yeah. can says, well, nobody's in the bath yet, so we'll definitely get out. As well, like, it's all there. It's very, very close to... Even more closer than watching Celtic players slip or in the video. He's right in it. He's asking them questions. Maurice Johnson's yeah. there talking. He, he says, Davy Hay. And then, which is a lovely thing, is Bobby Lennox and Tommy Burns. It's just a brilliant... Tommy interview. Burns, yeah. And he, he's, he Richard says to Tommy or Bobby Lennox, uh, something like, "This is the fifty fourth championship." And I was like, <laughs> but he says that fifty fourth championship. And then he says to Tommy Burns, "You played in that game, the four two game." And Tommy says, "No, I didn't. I didn't play. That's one of my biggest regrets in life, not playing that game." Aye. And then Tommy Burns gives him a blow by blow what happened in the game, and it's just so nice. And then Bobby Lennox calls him Tam. Oh, it's just so good. Before that, like Tommy Bunn says, oh, no, I didn't play in that game. I was jumping about in the jungle that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Tommy does what Tommy does. He thanks God, and yeah, and it's really, really nice. I mean, this is yeah. this is seven minutes. Think about it. Seven minutes after they've won a championship they weren't supposed to win, and there's two legends, iconic legends of Glasgow Celtic talking to Richard Park in the changing rooms and it's just so nice seven minutes and then that's the, these guys are talking and Bobby Lennox is asked You're like, but then you think about the nine in a nine in is only 19 years past it's still there and he says to them Paul McStay does a Paul McStay interview but they yeah. say Europe's coming up and he says I'd love to get another bash at it as part of the Celtics ethos but if you get a couple of more players David Hayes says we could do something in Europe Aberdeen have got yeah. to the quarter-final in Europe that year, which is interesting. You know, so there's still that belief. And that's where I, I take my belief from. I still think Celtic can do well in Europe. I know like, it's silly. But... Do, do we not, like, get to the semi-finals in, like, 1980, like, five years previous, or the quarter-finals, maybe, where we could be off, I think it was Juventus or someone like that, like, in the, in the very early 80s, I'm I sure... Think so. We'd done really, we had a really good run in Europe, and uh, and now Celtic fans uh, are a little bit like, well, I'm not sure where we want to be in the Champions League because uh, sometimes we would embarrass ourselves. It's better if we get a better decent run in the Europa League, which I'm not having, and I'm never having it. No, neither am I. Definitely not. But the, the, it's just unbelievable radio, and as I said, I think we said at the start, it's it's access that you would never you'll never ever get again the media will never ever get it again well this is the thing it's like how does Scottish football get back like its popularity and it is that is the ways that they would do it it's like you would get access to the players like you wouldn't get in England because they're not as guarded they're not as uh 
under the microscope and it's like, like I, I watch any sport like loads of sports just any old sport my pals take the mic out of me because I watch so so many sports but like if you watch NFL games they're in the the uh, TV cameras are in the changing rooms after every game giving people interviews etc so I mean it's still possible that it can be done even in like big big uh, sports it's just uh, like and you look at things like well what happens in the Major League Soccer, the access that the, the league gets in order to promote the league and, and, and all the different clubs. So it's sort of centralised promotions. And that's how Scottish football can get a little bit more, it's not, it's not glamour, but it's like a little bit more interest in the game, like beyond beyond Scotland. I mean, obviously it's a very, very strong, uh, well-supported league within Scotland. But beyond that, that is one way which it could... Uh, Become a little bit, yeah, because I, I a bit more high profile. Well, I, I, in Dublin, I listen to his news talk radio, and the guys are really good. They're very polished, like Ken Early. And, well, he was on before he's moved to the second captains, but they've got the different guys, and it's very good and it's very English. But the Scottish radio, there's something about it. Uh, that type of radio, 1986 radio, with those guys, there was something about it. Like it was just, it's professional, even to the part where Richard Parks. He's still on the radio. You think about it, he's still on the radio and he turns and he interviews he's interviews two of the, the guys in the wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah. And it's brilliant radio. It is. Yeah. What, it is. What's your favourite player? No, I don't have a favourite yeah. player today. They're all they were all brilliant to a man. And he talks to these guys, where are you from? Paisley. Where are you from? The other guy was in Anderson. Anderson. Anderson, that was it. Ian Spellman from Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find it? How are you? Ecstatic. Ecstatic. <laughs> Ex. It's algebra. Is that, it, it, and then he won't name a player. And then they ask him, are you going to have a few drinks tonight? And he, the guy, oh no, that's what he says. Davy Hayes just shook your, your man's hand. And then... He says you won't wash for a week, and the guy is so happy. Come for you to win the 85-86 championship from behind. Everybody had talked about it as Hearts Championship. Wallace Mercer, of course, have been lots talked about. Let's just ask a fan here uh, in a wheelchair. In fact, your name, sir? Peter Spellman. Where are you from, Peter? Uh, Anderson. Are you a Radio Clyde listener? I am indeed. Well, how do you feel about this this afternoon? Ecstatic. <laughs> I saw the manager, David Hay, come and shake you by the hand. I did indeed, Jason. It was a really great moment. God bless you, you'll not be washing for a week, I take it. Oh, great, smashing. And who is your Celtic hero? They're all great. They're all, they're all brilliant. Who's the great hero this afternoon for them, would you say, or are you not picking anybody at all? There's no dead for titular. There's no dead for titular. They're all played their part. Five goals, you can't ask that. Uh, five goals away from home, you can't ask better than that, can you? So what are you way home to do now? Uh, good question. <laughs> Maybe open a can of something or other? Maybe just, maybe just, just about. Are we honest, Juice? That's magic. Peter, all the very best to you. But you get that real feeling of this is Glasgow Celtic, this is what it means, and this guy won't watch Davey Hay. I mean, really, a footnote in Celtic's history. When you look at it, he was badly looked after later on. He'd get, he'd get the, he'd got the dreaded board vote of confidence only weeks before, you know? And he takes this team of, of, as you say, Moritz, it's also look at the stories. Like David Proven now is not well loved by Celtic fans. Mordo McLeod, he changed and he's kind of, he, 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 people have got their views on him. Morris Johnston, 
Roy Aiken's disappeared from the club. It was one time when we were boys, Roy Aiken was the football club. Uh, Tommy Burns, obviously that's a, another story. It's just all these different players. It, 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 but at that time, those guys saying, those guys in the wheelchairs were just saying, telling you, they're all our favourite players. And to a man, it's, it's really emotional, but it's very, very well done, you know? And that's not a planned thing. That's not like a Vox box or Chick Young's out roaming. This is just something he just turns around and these guys are standing there. Right it's just there. great radio. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a shame that Radio Clyde don't do commentary anymore at all, do they? At least I don't think they do. No, I don't. Because like, Peter Martin was actually like a brilliant commentator. Like that run to Seville, some of Peter Martin's commentary is just excellent. But I mean, what Radio Clyde do is they basically now take from Scottish football. They've got like two hours of programming every night, mm-hmm. all about Scottish football. But they don't bother like covering it properly when it comes to actually provide, probably paying the bucks to actually have commentary. Yeah, and, and that's the thing as well. It's the the sadness of like the radio, uh, the, uh, the super scoreboard, the, 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 the two minutes past two, <laughs> and, 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 and you're in the car, you're at fine fair. I'm sitting outside the co-op in Lark Call waiting for my mum to come out, and it's my mum saying, Are "You going to come? In? Are you going to come in?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not coming. I'm listening to the super scoreboard." And we had to get the theme. We had to get the, the theme tune on, and that was you in, and it was. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously Derek Jones is not on the radio, but it was Derek Jones who you thinks going to win the day, Derek Rangers. And then you're like, all right, okay, fine. But all that stuff, I always, always was really annoyed. I listened to whatever I came back. I listened to it once, and Derek Jones was, was dinging a bell or something, and I just went, where, where did they go? Where did that? They just couldn't keep that, that vibrancy, yeah. that cut, cutting radio that was 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 was, was probably part of the fact that we I do this just now, we do this. I love listening to radio football, I love listening to podcasts, you know. But I still listen to Radio Clyde every night when I'm making the dinner. But That's it's I don't know, like as you said, it's it's sort of different to the way it is. It's just it's a bit more combative uh yeah. now than it was there. Just people deliberately being provocative rather than just like enjoying football yeah yeah I agree with that the other thing is as well as uh, going down he mentions right at the end Mexico 96 be with us for Mexico 96 then I think Richard Parts and there's all sorts of stuff going on they have a right good I love to listen to Mexico 96 because I, I think that'll be brilliant I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it I'm going to in fact I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to write an email to Paul Cooney and ask him <laughs> and then but then they say we will be back on Friday and then Saturday because Hearts have got to go and play Aberdeen they get beat 3-0 it's a disaster but uh, final yeah it's the Friday and I'm I'm thinking well Scotland got a friendly on why would they be, why would they be the Friday but it's the Glasgow Cup final um. and McStay plays Grant plays but they're going to Mexico but the Glasgow Cup final they get beat 3-2 that's the Friday. It's just funny. It's just that it's a it's a game now that's what's the under eighteens or twenty ones, whatever. Yeah. But it was just that it was just we'll be back on Friday. And of course, as you say, Holy, you listen and listen and listen, and you're like, what was he talking about Friday? Has he got that wrong? Maybe it's just be one more game. But that's well, glad you said that. I mean, because I was wondering. I thought it was maybe like because <laughs> they didn't they didn't mention any other games, and 
obviously now the last games of the season they all kick off at the same time but I, I got the impression I might be way off here but it seemed that there's only actually two games going on that day there's certainly that was only two teams that were mentioned but I don't know who Rangers were playing that day for example I think it, well I think it's Clyde Bank but then but who gets a mention who gets a mention a lot it's Kenny Dalglish. yeah he does and even in the newspaper that I sent over to you Kenny's in there like Kenny Dalglish was a huge like the, there's, the, the newspaper article before it is they talk about 1980s game so I've got this book which gives you all the newspaper articles my brother got, got it for me it's brilliant but a couple of pages before is the 1980 game obviously Danny Green scores but it's, it's kind of Gleish writing a, a column in the Daily Record saying I missed the chance of going to see the Wembley Cup final I went back up the road to, to watch this yeah. fighting and, and they're so happy that Kenny Gleish has won the league that year and I'm smiling and I'm thinking wow that's because you just didn't the link between Celtic and Kenny was still there it still is there but yeah. it, it was a big thing you know because at one stage they say well at least Celtic and Liverpool or Kenny will be happy but maybe it won't come to fruition that they'll get the league. They're still saying that, and seven seconds later, Celtic have won the league, and away they go again. You know, so. But anyway, that's our. That's my. Uh, yeah. Anything else to any other any other tidbits? Anything else that you got from us? No, just just Jimmy Sanderson. I don't think we've really covered enough of Jimmy Sanderson. Yeah, I think he was just absolutely brilliant. Some of his tons of phrases, like like. Right, obviously he's got some form of male speech impediment, right? So we'll ignore <laughs> that for now. But just some of the things that he actually says and the ways that they say, way that he says them are just brilliant. It's like <laughs> like Johnson and McLeod are playing up front like a pair of double firecrackers. <laughs> Celtic, but was it a dynamo? A dynamo? Was it called a demolition squad? Oh, え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、え、
and I, I probably know this more than anybody, but like, like the kind of guy in Scotland that likes cricket, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he does. He does kind of sound like that type of guy. But then, but, but you think about it, like Arthur Montford, Jeremy Nee, uh, these guys don't come across as they're a different cut, you know. Aye, but the football must have been their blood because I mean Sanderson was at all the games. He must have, he must have loved it. Well, it comes across, doesn't it? But you're right, uh, the, their accent and the way they go on. But then, I mean, look, we've we'd listened to a podcast where uh, Stephen Thompson yesterday was asked a five second question. He couldn't answer it properly. So you're, you're <laughs> listening to, you're listening to decent people talking correctly yeah. about football, which is, it's just it's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's, I think that's us. We've done what we set out to do, and I, I really appreciate you, Holy, for coming on. I know we only bring, I know we only bring you out for the the big guns and the the big. Yeah, I mean, I just I've been getting a lot of uh, publicity on this uh, podcast over the last few weeks, and about yeah. uh, Mikey Dow beating me in the quiz and things like that. And <laughs> I'm just like, like I'm here. I'll, I'll 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 try my best at the quizzes. If Mikey wins every now and again. It's probably because I've got a virus or something like that. <laughs> well, here, here we go then. Here's the last. Here's the, here's my last thing. My last tip. But Jerry and Helen Wilson did the quiz on the Sunday holy. Yeah. On this Sunday, so they done the quiz and they were beating you after the third round, and they fell apart on the on the TV show theme tunes. Which, yes, yeah, he fell apart. Martin said they just couldn't they couldn't get Deb's Desperate Housewives, they couldn't get another couple of things. So It was the Albert it was the Albert kid of quiz rounds. <laughs> I liked my I liked my I got Crystal Maze and Channel Four News. I was happy with myself. But yeah. but yeah, so I really appreciate it. But I always appreciate it, Bertie, and because uh, it's great. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed I could have spent another Ask Rachel, like I spent another 10 days going through all the little fr- <laughs> didn't even talk about Frank McGarvey I look at Frank McGarvey's history yeah. on Archdeacon, like all these players are just fantastic, you know and uh, as long, I was the only thing I wanted to do in this podcast was to get uh, Holy Goal to tell me that Pat Bonner was world class but I nearly got it, <laughs> I nearly got it <laughs> No, you got a quote from Jimmy Sanderson and not only He's Republic of Ireland. <laughs> 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 well, thanks again, guys, for listening. Thank you so much, and thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Take care. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, Holly. Cheers. Bye. We'll just see what is being said behind the scenes here again at this stage. I understand there'll be no major official celebration this evening, but there's to be uh, a trip straight back to Celtic Park once again. We haven't had a word with Tommy Burns, and I think perhaps uh, his performances in the last few weeks have been absolutely superb. Tommy, we didn't get a word with you earlier on. Bobby Lennox is here as well. Bobby, will you join Tommy uh, Burns and I just for a quick word? Let's, let's turn to you, Bobby, first of all, because you've played in so many of the, uh, the nine in a row triumphs. This is, uh, you know, it's typical Celtic, many people have been saying to me in the last uh, 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, it was incredible. It was really incredible. The league championship had gone, quarter out of going, all of a sudden, just kind of leave it. And what about the atmosphere right across the ground? It was almost as if a, a ball had come. It's almost as if we'd heard the nuclear radiation was coming our way, you know? Well, we'd actually heard it was one nil at half time mm. for Dundee. And uh, I haven't been to the stand later on and found that it was still nil nil. So it was really, really quiet. But it was when they were rolling up in the crowd, incredible. And, and what about the way this championship has, has come to pass? Celtic just keeping in there. But I mean, everybody hasn't 
really, to be honest, the, the, the commentators haven't been saying Celtic, they've been saying Hearts. There's only one team in the run, that's when Hearts, our run came very late on in the season, you know. We didn't lose a goal in the last six games, we scored quite a few, so we're, we're hoping, just hoping today, you know. And where does this rate with the nine in a row, and you having been part of so many different styled wins? This is a bad with the 4-2 game, I think, and that was the best one. And of course, Tommy Burns played in that, didn't he? Did you tell <laughs> no, you missed that one. Was Aiken, who was in murder, was in midfield. Did Dom Sullivan play in that one? Conroy. Mike Conroy played in that one. Where were you that night, Tommy? Uh, I was jumping up in the jungle, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was injured, injured uh, about a week before that. That's one of the big regrets in my life. I missed the 4-2 game, but it was still the best game I've ever been at, so it was just a fantastic night for Celtic. That's today, it's just absolutely brilliant. So how many medals that you've got, Tommy? That's five league championship medals now, Richard. That's us on the rate of a sixth. Absolutely tremendous. And am I correct in saying, uh, trying to play the role here of Celtic historian, this is Celtic's 54th championship? Uh, I don't go too sure. I don't really count them. I just, uh, I'm just really happy for the, you know, the supporters out there the other day, the people that support us all year round, but kind of get to the games through other circumstances. And most of all for the manager, because he's took some stick in the last couple of years, and most of it's undeserved. And the favourite guy deserved to win a championship was David Hay, and I'm just absolutely delighted to be part of it. And part of a great Celtic win again. It's just a brilliant, brilliant day for us. I don't think we can say very much more than that, other than you'll be looking forward to uh, European Cup football next season as well. And perhaps, who knows, uh, Celtic really lifting off. Because you'd have to be honest and, and agree with me that the football, the standard played in the first 45 minutes was quite superlative. And for those who don't believe, of course, there'll be television highlights tomorrow. Well, that's right, Richard. But, you know, it's been a long time since we've done anything in Europe. And uh, before we get into every season in Europe, we all say, oh, well, maybe this will be our year, this will be our year. I think maybe, you know, the things have changed a wee bit for us. They'll get the doldrums, a lot of players in ruts for a couple of seasons, and, you know, maybe this will be just the boost that the club needs. But, uh, in closing, we'd just like to uh, thank God for uh, answering all my prayers, and obviously the prayers of the Celtic supporters, and uh, I just hope you all have a good night. Thanks a lot.